You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors' sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. First time in a long time, but back like I never left. Taking these things as it comes, you know me, I don't read ahead. Watch me burn down everything, BDE on the TV set. When I'm in control on the road, you can never really know what's up next. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Pullman here for Up Next for Post Wrestling. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you find your podcasts. I usually talk with Braden Harrington every Wednesday night about NXT, and we have our own Patreon, patreon.com forward slash up next, where we talk about all sorts, wrestling, movies, TV. But tonight, I am not joined by Braden Harrington. I am, in fact, joined by Jesse from The Six. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm fairly well. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. So this is not the NXT podcast. Tonight we are actually talking about Evolve. Why, I'm not quite sure. I feel like both of us just... There, there isn't enough wrestling out there, Jesse, is there? No, I've been saying it for for years. There's not enough. I There are minutes of my day when I'm not watching wrestling, and it's terrible. Really? Yeah. Wow. So we need more of it. We, we absolutely need more of it, and everything evolves, as do we. So yeah, uh, with NXT moving to the USA Network, we, we have kind of been feeling that maybe there's uh, a new sort of developmental system going on, um, which is Gabe Sapolsky's Evolve. Um, and we started doing reviews of these uh, from the 10th anniversary, and we've been watching them since. And tonight we are talking about Evolve 137 and 138. Now, Jesse, you join me tonight for uh, Evolve 138. And before we go into the show, just overall, what have your thoughts been so far of the last couple of months watching this product? Well, you talk about... Is Evolve the new NXT in mm. the sense that is this the new developmental program considering that NXT is now on USA Network? Um, and to me, NXT, when I would explain it to people, I'd say it's 
in theory, the WWE's promotional or WWE's um, developmental sure. program, because obviously they have many stars from other promotions they bring in who have decades of experience in some cases, yeah. and it's great wrestling. I would say it's better than the main roster, as would many others. Evolving their hand, this is clearly uh, on the level that you would think of when you think of a developmental territory. Like, when you consider um, an NHL game versus an AHL game, or sure. Major League Baseball versus, like, AAA or AA. Yeah. There's a difference, and this is more of that difference. You can see it. Yeah, um, so Brayden and I have just started a show on our Patreon called Was Next, where we've gone back to 2012 watching NXT, and you watch those matches, and that is definitely uh, a developmental program there. Like, you can see the wrestlers are, like, pretty basic with um, with ring gear and moveset and that kind of thing. And Evolve, I say at the moment, this this feels more sort of like, I don't know, like 2014, like early network uh, NXT, where they started getting their, their bigger names who had, who have years of experience on the indies, but you're still littered with kind of those very, very new green uh, people. And we've watched a few of these shows and there were definitely some some names that really stand out. Um, so Shotzi Blackheart, for one, who uh, during Evolve 137, uh, which we'll get to later, but William Regal actually came out and offered a, a contract for NXT. So we'll be seeing a lot more of her. And she's definitely someone that has impressed me. Kurt Stallion is a guy that both you and I were saying in the last show that hasn't really proved to us why he's meant to be a big deal. And um, yet he seems to be quite heavily pushed on all of these shows. Um, and then there are people like uh, Arturo Huas, uh, who had another great showing tonight. Um, a lot of the kind of MMA-style guys, I think, really shine in this promotion. Um, I'm going to go by start just running quickly through Evolve 137 that took place last night. Uh, the the opening match was a guy called Slim J versus Anthony Henry. Now, if you remember from the last Evolve show, Anthony Henry laid down in his, in his match, uh, took the pin, and then beat the shit out of the guy uh, <laughs> who pinned him. So they were saying that he's been relegated to opener here, um, facing a guy called Slim J, uh, and actually goes for a proper match this time, doesn't go for the, for, the, uh, for the loss. Henry hits an STO on the apron to start with, and there's a cool pump handle gut buster from Henry. The match is pretty much all Henry. Slim J makes a little bit of a comeback, but nothing really. There's a powerbomb backbreaker followed by a big lariat for a two count. Then Slim J hits a big crossbody for a near fall. Then Henry does a victory roll into a cross arm breaker, which gets reversed into an inverted STF. Uh, and at this point, Henry untapes his wrist, uh, wrist tape to try and escape the hold. Um, and the ref gets in the way and is telling him you can't do that. Uh, Slim J goes to the top. And Henry runs after him, hit, hitting a release German suplex, um, followed by a shotgun dropkick and does his double stomp, also known as the coup de gras, as uh, Finn Balor does, and gets the pin. Pretty easy victory from Henry to start with. And J.D. Drake comes to confront him right after and wants to fight him right then and there. And Henry just says, you've got to get through Huas first. So uh, setting up the main event for uh, tonight's show, Evolve 138, which would be Anthony Henry versus J.D. Drake in a, in a grudge match. 
So we have J.D. Drake versus Arturo Huas, uh, who we obviously know from NXT. Uh, Huas keeps going for kicks, but Drake keeps dodge, uh, dodging and ducking them. Drake tries to ground Huas as he knows his main game is all the kicks and stuff. Uh, Drake hits a big nasty chop. It's a bit of a slugfest. I didn't feel these guys gelled at all. I, I like both of these guys, just I don't think their styles really meshed well together at all. Um, Drake misses with his top rope moonsault, which his moonsault's pretty impressive because he's a big, big guy. Um, but he misses the moonsault, eats a roundhouse kick, and Huas beats your main eventer for the next night, which is a big loss for Drake and kind of interesting that you're going to, like, make your main event star lose the night before. But they're obviously very high up on Huas because he's on a bit of a winning streak right now. Then you've got Colby Carino, the son of Steve Carino, uh, as part of the Unwanted against Anthony Gutierrez, who um, Gutierrez is one of these one of these MMA guys, um, has been pretty impressive in everything we've seen so far. Uh, Carino offers the hand right away, but Gutierrez refuses it and goes right for the Kimura lock. There's a Spanish fly for a two count from Gutierrez. Uh, he hits a series of kick. Carino goes for a sunset flip and Gutierrez reverses it into a triangle out of nowhere for the victory. Um, this was a pretty nothing match, just very strong win for Gutierrez. Uh, going into another guy from The Unwanted, which is Eddie Kingston against NXT's uh, greatest Royal Rumble ever, Babatunde. Um, so Eddie Kingston versus Babatunde. Starts off with Babatunde just slapping the living shit out of Kingston. And Kingston keeps getting up, absorbing the pain. Um, I felt Kingston got way too much offense in this match. Uh, Babatunde is is huge. He is your your big show of this division. And I feel he, uh, he takes way more offense than he should in these matches. Um, Kingston is on Babatunde's back and gets dropped. There's a short DDT from Kingston. Uh, a choke slam from Babatunde. Uh, at this point, Kingston tries to just leave the match. The unwanted jump Babatunde, and the ref calls the bell for a double DQ. Fun fact. Yes. Babatunde is Yoruba for father. Oh, okay. And he's Polish, we discovered today. Yeah, we, I was going to mention it when we came to his match for tonight. But yeah, we discovered that Babatunde is actually Polish. So he's of Nigerian descent, but he was born and raised in Poland. Yeah, in a place called Wroclaw, which I, I went to on a on a lad's holiday a few years ago. Very nice place. You recommend it? Yeah. Yeah, good beer, good food. All right, well, there's, your, there's your match. Go to Wroclaw, <laughs> yeah. Um, we then go to uh, a our first championship match of the evening, which is for the Shine Championship, a women's promotion, with uh, Shotzi Blackheart as your current champion, against Aya Pereira. Starts off with uh, with some chain wrestling. I found the match a bit slow, uh, to be honest. Uh, Shotzi goes off the top but misses. Pereira hits a short ace crusher, then dives to the face uh, for a two count. There's a tiger suplex with a bridge for a two count. And then she bridge um, Shotzi bridges into a submission. Uh, it's kind of like, it was almost like the rings of Saturn, but both arms are straight out. Uh, look kind of cool. Uh, Pereira taps and Shotzi Blackheart retains the Shine Championship. At this point, William Regal comes out. Now, it was announced earlier in the day that William Regal was coming to Evolve to make a big announcement. 
Unfortunately, it had also been announced earlier in the day that Shotzi Blackheart had just signed an NXT contract. <laughs> so I think it would have been nice if this was a bit more authentic and she she didn't know she was being offered this. Um, but anyway, Regal comes out and thanks the crowd um, and offers Brandy, uh, sorry, Shotzi Blackheart the contract, who is in tears. And then Brandy Lauren comes out with Anthony Retro Green. Brandy Lauren's bragging about how she's already been on NXT. She's been on the last few weeks. Obviously, she's one of Velveteen Dream's couch pushers. Um, and she's like, yo, where are our contracts? Um, Green is getting all mouthy. And Regal grabs him by the throat and says, look, there are two things here. One, I only offer the very best people a WWE contract. Basically saying, mate, you're shit. You're not going to get one. Uh, secondly, why are you letting this woman do your dirty work for you? If you've got something to say, say it yourself. And he pretty much says, I would kill you, but I'm retired, so I'm not going to. Um, Regal's great, but it was a shame because you can't, whenever you see someone retired do something semi-physical, it kind of makes you want to want to see him i find so what you're saying is william regal anthony retro green at wrestlemania oh, oh yeah <laughs> crown jewel come on crown jewel <laughs> come on yeah absolutely MBS that's can be exactly what that i want <laughs> and well i mean we know we wouldn't have brandy lauren to interfere in that one oh so. <laughs> <laughs> uh we then have liam gray and adrian alanis as part of the skulk versus anthony green with harlem bravado uh, this was a pretty fast-paced match to start with. Bravado gets the advantage on Grey. Uh, Bravado and Green are just very easily hateable, I find. Both of them have... The 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 common thing now is heels are cool. Like, everyone kind of likes to hate a heel and cheers them, whereas these guys, people just hate. Um, there's nothing particularly likeable about either of them. There's a huge spine buster from Alanis to Green for a two-count. Vertical suplex into a top rope cross body for a two, which Bravado breaks up. Bravado then hits a huge running knee to Grey on the chair, which looked pretty painful. And then the Skulk hits the OPS for the win, which is kind of like, what's the, you know, Big E's big ending, but when hits assisted by uh, Kofi or is Midnight, it Midnight Hour. Hour? Yeah. It's kind of like that, but the guy jumping off catches them from underneath in a kind of cutter. Um, looks kind of cool. Um, and yeah, the Skulk win, which I assume was then the uh, was then the interval, because the Skulk always wins just before the interval and dance away. Um, we then had Sean Maluda versus Leon Ruff from the Skulk. Uh, I really like Leon Ruff. I think he's really impressive, very quick. Uh, Maluda hits a huge Samoan drop on the outside, which looked pretty painful. There's a Tiger Bomb from Maluda for a two count. And Leon Ruff wins the match with the Ruff Ride. Pretty pretty fast-paced, quick match uh, with a win for Ruff here. We then go to Kurt Stallion. Kurt Stallion, your favourite, with mm. his, his beautiful headband. Against Cameron Grimes with his beautiful top hat. <laughs> it's the Battle of the Headgear. Uh, obviously, Cameron Grimes, uh, formerly known as Trevor Lee, worked a lot for Evolve. Uh, he's a, a native of uh, North Carolina and is obviously a regular now on NXT, picking up some pretty impressive and quick victories there. 
Uh, Kurt Stallion hits a reverse Spanish fly off the top for a two, which looked pretty cool. Uh, it's good back and forth between the two. And then Anthony Green, who is on commentary throughout this match, distracts Stallion. Uh, Stallion turns around and eats the double stomp from uh, from Grimes for the win. The camera pretty much missed this. It was on, on Green doing the distraction and it turns back around and the stomp has already pretty much finished. Um, but I like that they're still playing up in Evolve this this double stomp of Grimes, which has become his kind of RKO and can come out of nowhere. We then go to a lights out match, also known as a last man standing, between Josh Briggs and Cassius Ono, who've had uh, a pretty big feud coming since the 10th anniversary show. Um, and obviously last, uh, last Evolve, Ono actually cost Briggs the title. Um, Bravado is cutting a promo on Ono's behalf and Brig and Ono just blindsides Briggs with a discus elbow. The story of the match is Ono working away at Briggs's leg. He actually gets a, a Boston Crab and uses the chair to do the Boston Crab. But to me, this looked more like Ono was just sat on a chair applying the Boston Crab. Um, looked like he just wanted a bit of a breather and just sat down and applied this hold. Um, the crowd are absolutely dead here. It's worth noting that this isn't a big attendance and it's a pretty small venue and there are empty seats seen in this small venue. And I think for a last man standing match where I never realised until now how much the crowd actually matter for a last man standing match, counting along with the ref, those 10 counts. No one cared at all for this. Um, there's a hero's welcome and Briggs gets up on the nine each time he's getting up uh, using the ropes. Ono then starts to choke Bridge, uh, choke Briggs. Bravado sets up the chair in the corner and there's a huge elbow to the back of his neck. Ono hits the elbow to the chair to Briggs, injuring both of them. And uh, Briggs rolls out of the ring this time to stay onto his feet for the win. Uh, I thought this was a horrible match. Um, honestly, Briggs has been pretty impressive of the of these new guys that I've just started seeing. And Ono, obviously, like I, I like watching Cassius Ono matches. Um, this was shit. Honestly, it, the crowd were dead. Um, all the spots didn't work for me. As I said, Ono took a breather in the middle. Um, and they tried to sell after the match. Ono being, uh, being kind of down and out. And it's just quiet. There's no reaction. And then you just hear one guy yell, You suck! <coughs> which which isn't a good sign. I'm very confused by uh, by Cassius Ono's position. Obviously, he's a, he's a WWE guy. And they're just letting him have these losses everywhere in NXT UK and NXT in Evolve, not even their own promotion. Um, no one really cares. Yeah, you get the feeling that they don't... Uh... They don't really care about the character of Cassius. No, like not at all. They'll loan him out to you know for to do a solid for these organizations with whom they work. And I mean, Ono himself, he seems like a good guy. He probably is happy to help you know other wrestlers yeah. for the career. But I think his future is probably going to exist backstage for. A different yeah, period. I get the feeling he he probably has he probably knows he's got a position there. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he cares anymore. I think maybe the that chip on the shoulder has gone and he's accepted his role and is quite happy to go and put over these guys, maybe. 
but yeah, this, this match did absolutely nothing for me. We then go to the main event, which is AR Fox versus Austin Theory, which was something I actually called in the in the last Evolve show. AR Fox is the fourth longest reigning Evolve champion and is was also Austin Theory's mentor, his his trainer. And if Theory wins this match, he actually overtakes AR Fox. Um, also, the the story is obviously Theory has an NXT contract now. If Theory loses, he is out of Evolve. So. Theory only gets to wrestle for Evolve as long as he is champion. AR Fox hits a knee to start with. Theory hits a huge clothesline. Um, Fox hits a series of suicide dives to the outside. Fox seems a lot more aggressive than you normally see in in the tag matches. Um, A lot of the matches then kind of scouting each other. It's uh, mentor and mentee. So they know each other inside out. Um, there's a Matrix escape into an Enziguri from Fox, which always looks really cool. Uh, there's a Cannonball for Fox, but this time Theory's standing, which you don't often see. Normally it's to the to the other guy sat in the corner, but Theory was stood in the corner, which looked pretty cool. There's a Rolling thun- Thunder into a Stunner from Fox, and you saw this. Theory sells it like a motherfucker. Yeah, I saw a highlight package, and it's... Um, I'm conflicted on this, because... I think the stunner should be a serious move and should be the finisher, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't amused by it. So if, if you're going to use a stunner as not a finisher anyway, well, then sure, go ahead. I mean, it seems indie to me, but it is an indie. So yeah, fine, flop around. Also, I, I mean, I think it was either last year or the year before the story came out about The Rock and Austin's bet, which yeah. was a case of beer for how ridiculous he'd sell the stunner. <laughs> I think he'd probably won like three cases from this cell. This was probably the most ridiculous cell. He he does the rock backflip and then kind of stands to his feet and, and then falls he fell down, down again. again. Yeah. Um, it looked fun. Uh, there was a topek on Hilo over the turnbuckle from Fox, which always looks fantastic. Uh, I just think I've got a note here. Lenny Leonard is really good. He calls the whole show on his own. He knows these guys inside out. I, I think this guy's fantastic. Um, there's a Swanton Bomb for Fo- from Fox for a two count. Fox goes for a dive but gets tor- caught into the torture rack and gets hit with a three seconds around the world, which is the blue thunder bomb but out of the torture rack. Looks really cool. Um, it's worth noting that, as I said earlier, the crowd is pretty empty and there are about 30 members of the Skulk out <laughs> around the outside of the <laughs> ring all banging on the apron, which... It, it makes it sound like it, there's a good energy in the arena, but it's literally all the skulk. And then they start chanting, fight forever. Now, if I had a team of boys around me, I'd want them to be chanting me to win, <laughs> not to fight forever and ever and ever. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know quite how I feel about this skulk thing. I feel that maybe they should just litter the crowd with some of these guys to try and liven it up rather than have them all accompanying to the ring. Because you notice this in uh, in 138, which we'll talk about a bit later on. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there might be some value in have it, like, having them disperse among the crowd and... Uh... Inject some energy there. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. Um, Fox goes to the top. He misses the 450 and then eats a super kick to the back of the head, super kick to the front, and then gets hit by the ataxia which is Theory's finisher. It's kind of like the bitter end. Uh, One, two, three 
Austin Theory wins. He is not leaving Evolve. He is still your Evolve champion. And then they set up that tomorrow, Austin Theory says he wants to single-handedly take the tag titles with his partner, Anthony Green. <laughs> Don't quite know how that works single-handedly, but you got the message. So he'll be going against the Sculpt tomorrow with Green for the tag titles. And that was Evolve 137. Um, I really enjoyed the main event. I think AR Fox and Austin Theory are fantastic. Um, the rest of the show left much to be desired. Uh, nothing really clicked for me. Uh, I do think Theory is going to have a bright future. I really see him as kind of early stage Randy Orton. I would love there to be a kind of new evolution and even hotshot him to the main roster for something like that because he's he's so young. He's great looking guy. Uh, like powerful he's a fantastic wrestler already I think the sky's the limit and I think you could put him in a faction like a new age evolution and really um, yeah I think he's got a long long future uh, yeah in terms of technical parts of wrestling for big live audiences and on camera like the famous know where the hard camera is mm. you know I don't know where he is in that development sure. but I only know what I see and his character work, his selling, his wrestling, yeah, it's totally good enough for main, main roster. Often NXT is better than main roster. So for it, sure, yeah. yeah, completely. But yeah, I know what you mean. He would he would fit in there just fine. Like that, yeah, I, from what I can see. Yeah, I but totally... I, I see, like if if you're looking through Vince's eyes and you see this guy compared to like a Johnny Gargano, I think this is a Vince McMahon guy all over. Yeah, I I understand that again. Hard to see him on the main roster because all these guys, we don't realize how how small they are, or re- rather how big the main roster guys sure. are until we see, you know, maybe we'll see him standing next to Cesaro and Sheamus and go, oh, awesome, oh, dude, he's tiny. tiny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he looks like a... I mean, they were saying he was a bodybuilder, so I, I think he is a bit bigger. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, I I just remember that Royal Rumble when Adam Cole came out and yeah. you go, oh, you look miniature. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we'll go into now Evolve 138, which starts with J.D. Drake coming out in a bomber jacket and jeans. Uh, he says, anybody here have a brother, a sister, a sibling, a best friend? Well, tonight I step foot in this ring with the man I used to call my brother. Tonight I step into the ring with Anthony Henry in what we are calling a North Carolina backyard fight. 
a North Carolina backyard fight. It's not like a South Carolina backyard fight. This one's in the North. Yeah, it uses vinegar and cayenne pepper. Absolutely. Um, and he said, I don't want anyone in WWE or NXT judging me for what I am going to do tonight. And for that reason, it will be unsanctioned. Now, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I don't really know how sports contracts work, but the match has already been promoted. Yeah. Presumably they signed to agree to this fight and Evolve has agreed to promote it. I don't know. I don't think you just walk in on the night and say, you know what? I want you to unsanction. The- Presumably it's already been sanctioned. So I think what he means is if I hit you with 30 curb stomps, hit you with a chair, <laughs> hit you with a ladder, pile them on top of each other, get a sledgehammer and smash you on the head. You cannot disqualify me. Forgot, it's unsanctioned. You forgot the toolbox. The toolbox and the pedigree, yeah. of course. Oh, the, <laughs> the worst of them all. But yeah, he obviously the, the match was announced before that certain one. So he's like, yo, 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 right. I'm going to do all kinds of shit tonight. Yeah, he just he just came out there to convey that the main event's going to be a emotional brawl, violent match. Yeah, now these two, I believe they, they are former tag champs. They've been partners for a long, long time. Uh, and Henry, a few a few evolves ago, turned his back on Drake. And I think Drake is really good at these promos. He he gets you emotionally invested because um, he's an every guy and he, he speaks from the heart. So um, I thought this built up quite nicely. We then have new NXT superstar Shotzi Blackheart versus Savannah Evans. Uh, Shotzi hits a tiger faint kick, followed by Shadows Over Hell, which is a frog splash to a, to like a standing crouched opponent, uh, for the win. This wasn't much of a match at all. It was just a very quick victory for Shotzi. Uh, Evans had Cannibal written on her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't. I don't know what her character is. I thought she was like, oh, I'm like an athlete. But then she has cannibal written on her trunks. So yep. <laughs> she'll work on that. She'll work on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got to have a gimmick. For some people, it's a headband. Other people, it's being a cannibal. Don't eat people is my advice. Right. Listeners. <laughs> uh, we go then to a four-way freestyle where the first fall wins it all, which is between Colby Carino from The Unwanted, Adrian Alanis from The Skulk, Harlem Bravado, and Josh Briggs. Uh, Carino is chatting a load of shit to start the match with, and the feud between Bravado and Briggs from kind of the Ono feud is being carried right through into this match. There's a dragon screw into the ropes from Bravado to Briggs. Bravado hits a double reverse and front DDT to both Carino and Alanis. Alanis hits a cutter over the ropes to Bravado, which sends him landing onto Briggs. Carino escapes from a torture rack and hits a tope con hilo to the outside. Uh, there's Briggs hitting a choke slam to Carino on the apron. And then Briggs hits, in inverted uh, commas, a choke slam to Alanis off the turnbuckle onto Carino. It's more like. It's. Remember when Undertaker choke slam Rikishi off a cell? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of that. You yeah. hold your throat and then you push him. Yeah, he basically landed on his feet. Like, he just did a backward jump off the apron and bumped into the two guys on exactly. the crown. Yeah. Um, Briggs hits the go to hell, which I think is his coolest move. It's like a 
float over knee to the face uh, to bravado. Yeah, I thought that would be the finish. I thought that looked great. I don't know why that's not his finisher. I've seen him do it a few times, and it looks fantastic whenever he does it. Uh, Carino hits the Sunsetter, which is like a crucifix bomb, for a two-count to Alanis. Everyone is getting their shit in at this point. Everyone's hitting super kicks and strikes. Uh, Briggs hits a face wash to everyone in every corner. There's a choke slam to Carino onto the back of Bravado, and then Briggs hits a choke slam power bomb onto Adrian Alanis for the win. I thought this match was um, a good example of what you get with Evolve in terms of its role as a developmental promotion, because I thought the four wrestlers involved all represented a different kind of wrestler you'd see in these types of promotions. Yeah. Um, I thought Alanis, I don't know how long he's been wrestling, but he seems to me he's very green. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he seemed the most rudimentary of them. Carino, I saw a guy who was working really hard and I, you know, he can do good spots and he was doing some character work. And I think if he progresses, he'll have a good career. Um, bravado, I, I'm still, he's an enigma to me. I, I have no idea what this is supposed to be. I just, I can't, I he's can't. Ono's mate and he likes yeah. basketball. I, I'm not saying I dislike him. I just, I don't, yeah. I don't understand any of it. Sure. And, and Briggs, clearly, he's the guy they want. He's, yeah. he's tall. So, um, I thought it was awkward and, and sloppy in parts. I thought Alanis and Carino specifically, they had a couple of spots where it just did not come off. Yeah. Um, but I was never bored. So. No, and I, and I think you're right. I think these, these kind of four-way matches are a good way for everyone to kind of get their characters across, get the stuff they know they can do well without being in a 15-minute match where they might just, like, lose it and slow down. I think uh, the pace is quick enough that the crowd are always into it and into everything that happens. Um, But yeah, you're right. There was quite a bit of sloppiness in this match as well. What are your thoughts on Josh Briggs? Because... Obviously, he's a he's a guy in Evolve that's right at the top there. I get it. I understand why they're pushing him. Like he's the biggest guy. Or well, I guess Babatunde is, but um, you biggest know, guy who can move. Big, and has he's muscular. He's got the long hair. He's got a nice beard. He's got a few tattoos. Mm. Um, and All Marvel and DC by the looks of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he. Uh, he's pretty good wrestler from what I've seen. He's not bad, yeah. certainly, but well, we'll see where it goes. Um, I remarked earlier we might end up in a situation like some women find themselves where they're dating a guy they like him, and then three months in they go, "Oh, he's just tall," and that's all they really like about <laughs> Have him. Have you had that? You're a tall guy. Uh, <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll see. I I understand it. And I hope he continues to grow. One thing, though, his... No, he can't grow anymore. He's yeah. already tall. <laughs> grow proverbially. <laughs> yeah. Um, his his entrance... What is the line? He's from nowhere, Arizona. He's from nowhere, Arizona. <laughs> Chances are he does not like you. For me, that's heel stuff. Yeah. Well, I can... I, it's kind of cool. I like it. But and it can be a face if he's like a no-nonsense... I'm just coming here to beat people up. I'm yeah. gonna grudge with you. But he comes and he like he like shakes or he's clapping hands with the fans. And then we saw him on commentary uh, later, mm. and he's like, "Oh, these guys, uh, those rough end fox, they're great. Look at that move. This is amazing." Oh, I'm like, "Whoa, this is not what I'm expecting from a guy who probably does not like me." 
Uh, yeah, it's just a I'm, funny line that doesn't suit him. Yeah, I was all. thinking big, tall guy should be strong, silent type. Yeah. But that's not I what agree. he is, so. Completely. We then go to Jay Raves versus Brandy Lauren, and at this point you were asking where Brayden is. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brayden, check out Jay Rave. <laughs> um, so Jay Raves as part of the Rave Police. <laughs> Oh, no, what That's that is. all I can say about her. That's all the information I was given. She then eats a pump kick to the stomach from Lauren, a pump kick to the chest, and then a kind of draping twist and shout from the top rope for a one, two, three. Uh, yeah, squash match. Um, I was a bit surprised because most of what I've seen of Lauren, she's kind of like a chicken shit heel. Yeah, she's more of a, a valet who will be put in a match and hide behind others and sneak the victory yeah this was more like her as a as a a monster yeah Yeah, absolutely um, all right uh lauren's gimmick has been she keeps on saying there is no women's division it's the woman's division because i'm the only one in it like no one else matters she cuts a promo again saying about how she's been on nxt for the last two weeks uh and says i am the women's division if this is a concerted effort to book her more as a serious wrestler I can understand why, because I'd say next to Theory, she comes across as the biggest star on the roster. Yeah, completely. She seems the most comfortable. Yeah. Um, Her gear looks good. Exactly. She looks good. And, I mean, in this 45-second match, she looked very good in the ring. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. And, obviously, she's she's got the eye of NXT, Mm because she's been on a few times, um, and we've seen, like, Rosebuds in the past, how well they've done, including Becky Lynch and Carmella and Strowman. They were all once rosebuds. <laughs> wow. And now a... one of them's fighting Tyson Theory in Saudi Arabia. Who'd have thunk it, eh? Where is Adam Rose? <laughs> Does anyone know? Adam Rose retired, I think. Alright. He was a naughty boy and then oh, hung he? up his shoes, I think. Okay. His boots, whatever. You don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> um, we then go on to Sean Maluda. From the Unwanted versus Babatunde. So obviously there's been a bit of a feud between Babatunde and the whole of the Unwanted as he fought off Eddie Kingston and the rest of them jumped him last night. Maluda gets the advantage early on. He hits a frog splash for a two count. Again, Babatunde's a big dude. I don't get why he's selling so much in these matches. Normally these like big guys versus little guy matches I'm used to, the big guy killing the chicken shit heel to start with, and then something sneaky happens, like a low blow as the ref's back's turned, and then the advantage happens. But this is just Maluda all over Babatunde on the start of the match. Um, Babatunde manages to get a side slam. Um, Carino tries to interfere. There's a diving DDT from Maluda, followed by Shining Wizard for a two count. And then Babatunde hits a huge right hand, followed by a big splash for the win. Yep, big win for the Polish prince, Babatunde. Yes. And um, we can talk about it later, but this was kind of a long card. And mm. in terms of entertainment, I would have cut two, maybe three matches, and this would be one of them. Yeah. But obviously these are both WWE contracted wrestlers, and they probably have to be on there. And more generally, again, Evolve's job is building new stars. Yeah. So they have to let these guys get their reps. And perhaps that's why Babatunde is selling so much, so he can learn how to do it. Maybe. Um, again, th- this match, 
I can't say I enjoyed it, but it did make me think of the role of Evolve and and how its job isn't just to put on great matches for that crowd or for that audience that night. They have to also build for the future. Sure. Yeah, you're right. No, you're completely right there. And fulfill, perhaps, contractual obligations. Absolutely. (laughs) Unless you're Cassius Ono and where wins and losses don't matter. Well, he (laughs) exists in a nether world. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, we then go to Anthony Gutierrez versus Arturo Huas. Uh, both of these are kind of... Uh, Anthony Gutierrez is a former MMA fighter. Arturo Huas is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu... Uh, what is it? Cabo... What's it called? Cabarera? A capoeira, Capoeira. Yeah. Um, I think they said he's like a 17-time former champion or something like that. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Um, he's accomplished. He's a killer. Um, Arturo Huas goes for some kicks early on. There's a grapple exchange, uh, both dodging out the way. There's a fist bump of respect from the two. Um, Gutierrez tries to lock in a kind of triangle, but Huas lifts him into a one-armed powerbomb. Uh, there's a series of kicks, followed by a sling blade from Gutierrez. A jumping face wash to the corner. Uh, Gutierrez does a backflip off the corner, sort of Daniel Bryan, Pete Dunne style, but got a lot of height on this. It looked pretty cool. There's a lung blower for a two count from Henry. Gutierrez goes for a cross arm breaker, but uh, Huas lifts him up into that one arm power bomb again. But Gutierrez manages to slip out, hits him with a kick. There's a two tope suicida to the outside. Knockout kicks from both, followed by a deadlift German suplexed for a one count from Huas, transitioned right into a choke hold submission for the tap out. This was a pretty quick match, but the kind of style of wrestling I love watching nowadays, uh, both these guys are very good at it, I think. Uh, This was the highlight so far for the night. Like you, I'm a big fan of Huas, and I had only seen one Gutierrez match before, the four-way before, but I know his style, so I was looking forward to this match, and it did not disappoint. Um, They worked a good style, mixing and grappling and professional wrestling style, and one thing that struck me was how good both were at selling. Um, you know, they'd have a kick to the leg or one of them would be working over the shoulder and they'd sell it with their moves. They'd try to go for a move and he'd hold his shoulder and give it up. And that's interesting to me because I, I would think if you're coming from a background of actual competition, fighting or, or jiu-jitsu, whatever it is, mm. obviously in those disciplines, you don't make a show of what is hurting on yeah, your body. Yeah, sure. And these guys seem to have learned that. And I also liked how they both gave great attention to detail. So there was a spot, actually they did it twice, which I'm not sure why they did it twice, but there was a spot, and the second time they did it, it was the classic, um, the guy on the ground has the triangle choke, and the guy up top lifts him up for like a powerbomb. The Roman Reigns Roman Reigns. Now, when Roman Reigns always does it, it's just to show off, oh, look how strong Roman Reigns is. For sure. Um, and people who actually train will tell you this is not an effective way to get out of uh, a triangle choke. Right. Even if you could lift him and drop him, they, they often just cinch in the choke more. Even more. Um, but in this case, what happened was uh, actually Huas was trying to get out of a hold and Gutierrez locked in a triangle. But what happened was is Huas repositioned himself such that Gutierrez's shoulders are both on the mat. So the referee started counting. So when Gutierrez lifted his right shoulder... That sort of, we can imagine, that allowed Huas to reposition himself and lift Gutierrez up. up. So that kind of attention to detail I thought was really impressive. And I've already, well, I'm already a fan of Huas, but I like Gutierrez here as well. And 
I'm just a big fan of this style in general. Yeah, it's a pretty new style to wrestling, and mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it works. Um, I What I also like is the the submission that ended it. The tap is quick, and I, I love that because it's it makes it more believable for me. It's like, okay, you've locked this where I know I can't get out, so you escape right away with the tap out. I liked it too. He- Rather than the typical wrestling submission, which is selling it for ages, yeah. and then the pain's too much and you give up. Whereas it's, no, there's nothing I can do about this. I'm tapping before you break my arm. Yeah. I'm not saying the more dramatic professional wrestling tap-out can never work. There are times oh, if, it's, if there's a story. But yeah, what I liked here, again, this is not your Baron Corbin rear chin lock, let's take a rest. This was when either of them were ever in a hole, they were trying to maneuver to get out. Yeah. And so we'd seen them do this several times. And Gutierrez, he was reaching for his hands. Uh, who has his hands, rather, trying mm. to pull him apart. He felt he couldn't do that. Then he was re- reaching for who has his, uh, feet, because who has had a body scissors. And if you notice, who has didn't cross his ankles, which apparently is um, important in, uh, like grappling, because if you cross your ankles, they can apply pressure to you. And right. So you could see Gutierrez was checking for any weak points. And then when he figured, I'm stuck in this, he taps out. Sure. So. With who has, obviously he's with WWE. He's part of NXT. Um, I think he's fantastic, and I think you're going to see some really cool matches down the line in NXT with him. How do you see him progressing from that, and not just being a Steve Blackman? Yeah, I I really hope they book him properly uh, on the main roster. We looked up his height; it said five eleven. Yeah, which that's is pretty much my height. height. Yeah. yeah, so that I don't know Vince McMahon's going to like that. But one thing I was thinking watching this match is that who are sells. Like a monster. He doesn't sell classic pro wrestling. It's like he you kick him and he's like days. And like then he gives you an opening to do another move yeah. to him, like Undertaker or Brock Lesnar style. And I could you know, you could book him in matches and just have him run through guys. He looks scary, he's muscular, yeah. We know he has the background. Um I have high hopes of what he could be, but I'm trying to temper those hopes because I know that it takes the right booking to get the most out of a character like yeah. this. Out of a performer like this. I mean, I can almost see... You've got the the Cruiserweight Championship in NXT now. And a lot of a lot of the feedback this week we had on the show was... That's cool. It's great that you've got a home. The Cruiserweight feels more NXT. But then pretty much everyone there is a Cruiserweight. What differ, like differentiates it from the rest of the product? And I feel like a division which is more this style would maybe fit better in 2019 than a cruiserweight division like you've got the x division in tna which is something slightly different you've got people like uh anthony henry gutierrez uh huas in evolve you've got your matt riddles you've got all these now kane velasquez is in wwe you've got all this kind of shoot mma style and i think you could craft a whole division on these guys in five years time yeah, didn't Ring of Honor have something like a true wrestling... A true championship, or pure championship, was Yeah, it? something like that. Forgive me for not knowing for sure, but um, that's an interesting theory. Whether they... Oh, they would never do it, let's be honest. No, but, but, but you've it, definitely got that, that cast of people. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Daniel Bryan would fucking love to be in that sort of division. Kushida, Gulak, there's yeah. tons of guys who can work this grappling style. And I, I'm glad that it's becoming more popular because... You know, not everything has to be reverse Rana on the apron. I guess. Yeah. And I think for MMA fighters, seeing... Because you can't be an MMA fighter forever, but 
seeing, oh, guys are doing this and can get a few more years on their career in a like a well-paid job, it, it could attract more people. I I like this style very much. All right, book it. A crown jewel in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Cain Velasquez beats Brock Lesnar, celebrating, and then who ass comes Absolutely. out and challenges him. <laughs> you heard it here first. We then go to Liam Gray from The Skulk versus John Skyler. Whoops. Uh, what's happened there? Jesse's just breaking my room. It's okay. It's from Dollarama. It's going to happen. I'm smashing shit up. <laughs> uh, Liam Gray versus John Skyler, who you said, is that Rhino? <laughs> he had a Rhino vibe, definitely. Yep. There's a big top rope rolling sent on to a standing Skyler from Gray. Skyler hits a Tiger Bomb for a two count, uh, transitions right into the Boston Crab. This is like Samoa Joe does. He does the power bomb pin attempt and then transitions right into like a half Boston. I always like that kind of quick transition. Uh, Gray tries a top rope Frankensteiner but gets hit by the Finley roll. Uh, or who was it you said used to do this? I remember like very old Batista doing this roll. It's when you're on the shoulders and you do a, a rolling scent on. Seamus does it. A uh, few others have done it in the past. Mr. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy. There we go. Uh, but this is from the top. Uh, Gray then hits a frog splash for the win. Very short match. Not much to really say. No. Gray had some good spots. Yeah, Liam Gray's pretty fun to watch. Um, and part of the skull, he's in quite a few fun little tag teams. So, according to my notes, we skipped a match. Oh, did we? Yeah, according to my notes, after Gutierrez, who asked, was Kurt Stallion catching Oh, around. yes, I wrote, scroll down. Yeah, so we have Kurt Stallion <laughs> with his his fancy fancy headband against Cassius Ono, accompanied to the ring by Harlem Bravado. Ono cuts a program, uh, sorry, a promo talking about his relationship with Harlem Bravado. Um, ono is wearing a Duke's basketball Jersey, which is from uh, Duke uh, Duke University in North Carolina. Yes. And he's saying that um, Bravado is from the University of North Carolina. A Tar Heel. Yeah, so uh, rival uh, basketball uni teams. This was all very confusing. Yeah, we, we didn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> we but we, no we kind of put two and two together. <laughs> Ono's wearing one jersey. Harlem Bravado sports another. The crowd were booing some jerseys and cheering the others. The crowd seemed to have split uh, allegiances as well. Yeah. So I don't follow American college sports. I This no. was all... Basically, Ono gets a, a duplicate jersey of the same he's wearing, the Duke's one, gives yeah. it to Harlem Bravado and gets him to wear it. So basically, he's making Bravado his bitch. He's saying he will do whatever I do, but is also being like, but we're best friends. Yeah, Ono... Oh no, the character was not trying to humiliate Bravado. It's just saying, we're, he's so loyal to me, he'll wear the different school's basketball jersey. So presumably this will build to something. I was thinking early on at the start of the promo when they're coming out, I'm like, oh, this is like, uh, this feels like Colt Cabana and CM Punk. You've got a guy who's just going to be in the indies forever and the other guy who's made it pretty big. And then by the end, it's like, oh, this is like latter CM Punk and Colt Cabana right here. Um, the match starts and it's pretty back and forth to start with. Uh, ono gets Stallion in a mean looking submission where he's also just like tearing at the mouth of Stallion. 
Uh, Ono is just completely overpowering Kurt Stallion at the beginning. Uh, He wrenches back on the arms. Stallion tries thumping and chopping Ono, but he just absorbs it and completely no-sells. Then there's a huge chop from Ono to Stallion. Chop exchange between the two. There's a cool-looking roll-through pile driver from Ono, which looked great, and Lenny Leonard sells this like crazy. He's saying Leonard hasn't seen Ono use a pile driver since he fought Zack Sabre Jr. at Evolve 77 in January 2017. Yeah, I thought we were back in Memphis in the 1980s and, you know, they had banned Jerry Lawler's pile driver, but he could use it for one more match and everyone was terrified of it. Which, to be honest, I like. I think the pile driver, it's good to build up a move like that. But also, it's a little bit weird when every other match we're watching now has some sort of variation of the Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. Which is allowed in WWE, yeah, I, but a basic pile driver is not. Did you ever hear that story of the Styles Clash? Um, when AJ first came to WWE. Oh, And he was feuding so. with Jericho. And Vince had heard the story of... Um, Yoshitatsu. Yoshitatsu and Adrian Lionheart mm-hmm. breaking their neck from the Styles Clash. So yeah. he's like, Styles Clash is banned. Yeah. Um, Jericho told AJ, it's like, you're going to hit the Styles Clash on me in this match. Um, and But you're not going to win the match. It's just going to be a transitional move. Mm-hmm. And then Jericho goes to Vince after. It's like, that, that move AJ hits there, it's pretty cool, don't you think? He's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's really cool. Really safe to take. Like, I'm just landing on my belly. It's it was cool. Did, do you think you should do that more? Yeah, sure. Like it's great. It's like that's Styles Clash, Vince. Oh, <laughs> and you, I get the feeling that's with Vince. Like Canadian Destroyer, no idea what that is. The Canadian Pile Driver, God no, you're not doing that move. But but Vince McMahon knows what a pile driver looks like for sure. They had it in WWE up until like nineteen. But how much is he watching NXT and halftime heat and all those things? It's true. So when Ray does it on the main roster, it is more of a sunset flip. Like yeah. That. So um, perhaps that's the difference. But trying to interrogate the mind of Vince McMahon is so basically, frankly, basically scary. Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic just. Don't let Vince watch your matches until after this Wednesday, because I want you to have another banger. Um, Stallion hits the Okada neckbreaker, like the across the shoulders and then dropping across the knee to Ono. At this point, Bravado climbs up to the apron, and Ono goes to pump kick Stallion, who's distracted by Bravado, but he moves, and Ono kicks Bravado right in the face. Oh, how unfortunate. How unfortunate. He kicked his own friend. I know. I've never seen anything like that. But then Ono still wins after this moment. He locks in a kind of cravat uh, submission to uh, to Stallion and taps him out. After the match, Anthony Green comes out again. I feel like see too much of this guy on this show um, and attacks Stallion. So did he? Did he not? I heard a slap oh, and true. Stallion was lying on the ground, but I didn't see anything because yeah. the camera cut away to Ono leaving the ring when this attack happened. So, allegedly. So, I feel we're we're heading towards another Green and Stallion feud and probably Ono Bravado down the line, but I think they're going to probably build that up a little bit longer. They must be because after the match, Bravado gets in the ring and what does he do? He's going after Stallion. And Ono is holding him back, saying, no, we don't need to do that. So, again, you, you you emphasize the fact that Ono won the match. Because what we're used to is, oh, no, I kick my friend, and then you get rolled up and you lose or whatever, mm. right? And then the two guys are arguing with each other after the match. 
Ono still wins, but instead of Bravado being going to Ono and being like, "Bro, why'd you kick me in the face?" Yeah. he's mad at Stallion. Yeah, it, it was strange, and I I think I feel what they're doing is they're gonna have Bravado as like this this puppy that keeps on getting kicked down and coming back and being loyal. Unfortunately. Bravado isn't too well liked, but he's in North Carolina here, which is his home town, his home state. So he was getting kind of babyface reactions. So I feel if you built this storyline up a bit more, this would be the place you you cut that angle between the two. But it feels they're going to drag it out longer. Honestly, I everything about Harlan Bravado is just perplexes me. I don't. I don't. <laughs> is he a heel? Is he a face? He, he's from North Carolina. His name's Harlem. I don't even know what race he is. His finishing move is like some. He just, he just like loves cash the, money or he something. He loves the Globetrotters. I just, I just, the whole thing is bizarre. He doesn't know what university he went to. <laughs> <laughs> we then go to Eddie Kingston versus NXT's Cameron Grimes. Now, I did catch uh, in the sort of promo packages before the show, Eddie Kingston cut a promo on Cameron Grimes, calling him Trevor Lee. And he's like, look, I don't want Cameron Grimes. I don't want this guy with his shitty little hat and his shitty little jacket. I want the gritty Trevor Lee who comes in in black trunks, black kick pads, and is just no BS. Uh, so he's calling out. He wants the old Stone Cold, basically, here. Um, he wants... Uh, so Leonard is playing up how much the performance center has improved Grimes. He says that uh, Trevor Lee was like a mainstay in Evolve, and now he's gone. He's picking up these impressive wins. Two of them over the last few weeks have been in under 10 seconds on NXT, and obviously had an impressive win against Stallion yesterday. There's an STO from Kingston to Grimes at the start of the match. It's actually all Kingston at the beginning. Uh, Grimes counters a Fisherman Buster into a small package for a two count and gets the advantage with a flurry of kicks and knees followed up by a penalty kick on the apron. There's a crossbody from Grimes for a two count. The O'Connor roll from Grimes reversed into a DDT by Kingston for a two count. And then out of nowhere, Grimes hits the cave in. The double stomp out of nowhere for the win. Yeah. Uh, It was a pretty good match. Uh, Honestly, um... Grimes doesn't do anything for me yet. Kingston, I like his character work. He's something different. Yeah. Um, the match reminded me of like maybe a like a an English footballer who's playing in League One of the Championship gets snapped up by Premiership club, and then that year in the Cup, he they get um, drawn against that same League One team. Right. And he's running around doing all his dribbles, and one of the veteran defenders of that team just kicks lumps out of him for yeah. 90 minutes. <laughs> so his Kingston was <laughs> like, for, like, yeah, he's like, I want just gritty, you know, um, no nonsense fight here. And, uh, I want the Millwall Cameron Grimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Kingston's an interesting character because obviously he's a heel, but I, there was sort of like an honor amongst thieves thing there. Cause he was like, when Grimes was really chopping him, he's like, okay, okay, yeah. this is what I want. So you get the sense that Kingston is a dirtbag, but one who, uh, loves, independent wrestling <laughs> for sure yeah i mean that's his whole thing he's unwanted the whole yeah. the whole deal with their faction is they're they're unsigned they're not wanted by anyone uh so yeah that completely suits him now you're not a fan of cameron grimes i, I don't dislike him i just 
I haven't seen anything that um, has grabbed me yet. Do you like the hat? I do not. <laughs> why not? Is it a top hat? Is it a cowboy hat? What the hell is it? And I why? A, I think that's the point. <laughs> why? Because it gets people talking. <laughs> I feel he's doing... Uh, there's a story about Michael Caine when he was a young actor. He completely changed up his look and got these really thick round glasses, which at the time were pretty out there and would smoke a pipe. And he'd go to this bar where he knew like uh, industry people would hang out, directors, other actors and stuff. And he was he was young, but people would notice him and be like, why is he wearing these glasses and smoking a pipe? But then people would remember him and start talking about him and start talking to him. I kind of feel this is what Grimes is doing. He's just, I'm going to wear a top hat. Why? Because the next day people go, did you see that guy who wore a top hat? Does it make any sense? No. Are you talking about him? Yeah. Um, I've lost you. I would. Prefer, <laughs> yeah, I, I understand the logic, but the only Larkin typing in all caps on Twitter, that's a gimmick I, that will get you noticed. That I understand. <laughs> Wearing a stupid ass top hat to the <laughs> ring. I'm, uh, keep trying. Okay. <laughs> We then go to our main event of the evening. Oh, no, no, sorry. We go to our tag championship, which is Austin Theory and Anthony Green versus the champions, the Skulk, A.R. Fox, and Leon Ruff. The last sanctioned match of the evening. Exactly, exactly. Um, A.R. Fox hits a boot to the face and a tope suicida to Theory to start the match. Ruff and Green are the two legal men. We have Josh Briggs on commentary, uh not bringing much of anything to the match for me. Just being a super fan, basically. Absolutely. And disliking Austin Theory. Yes. Um, Leon Ruff is great. He does this really cool uh, move where he's like escaping the, the swipes from the opponent where he's jumping from rope to rope. I can really see him in WWE one day. I think he's he's really exciting to watch. Do you know how old he is? Uh, I... he, he looks young to me, but then um, Fox looks young to me too, and clearly Fox has been there a long time. He's, he's a trainer. Fox so... definitely is older. Yeah. Um, trying to find Leon Ruff. Uh, no, I can't see. Uh, he only made his debut in 2017, it's saying here. Well, he, he looks young to me, and he um, he's got a lot of talent he, and charisma. Yeah, he can... I mean, a lot of guys can hop around. Yeah. So can he, and he's really good at it. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially in a tag match where there's so many people to play off of, I thought he really he really excelled in this environment. Uh, Fox hits a standing splash for a two count. Uh, the, the beginning of this match is just crazy fast. It's really exciting. Uh, AR Fox hits an ace crusher off the second rope to both Green and Theory. Uh, Green fakes that he gets his foot pulled at the apron uh, by the skulk. So the ref throws out the skulk. The baby face's support has to go. I think it's the first time I have ever seen the baby face's entourage get thrown out by the ref. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's fine, but it's uh, it was odd to see. And then the crowd got half as loud because half of the entourage <laughs> is half the crowd. Uh, there's a huge release powerbomb from Theory. A combo powerbomb from Green and Theory. Uh, Fox, at this point, is starting to get frustrated and gets a bit more aggressive in his offense. There's a standing moonsault for a two-count from Austin Theory. Love that standing moonsault. He got great velocity on that. Yeah. Um, Ruff is trying to get the tag, but Green and Theory keep preventing it. So uh, that's the story. They've just got the heat on Ruff. 
Um, and it's just that thing that gets really frustrating for me uh, when, like, the baby face is on the apron and then the other guys are just running in doing stuff and the ref just ignores everything the heels do. It's classic wrestling, but... Man, this is just this, overdone. This ref is bad as that Toronto ref from the big event that John and Wade were reviewing <laughs> talking about. That guy, he, he didn't know what he's doing. And this this ref, like Austin Theory runs in the ring and says, Look at AR Fox. And the ref looks at AR yeah. Fox while Austin Theory kicks the uh, rough in the head. <laughs> this ref needs to go back to referee school, I would suggest. There's a big crossbody from Fox. Uh, he trips Green with both his legs. Yeah, he like catches his legs in the. In the ropes, like with his legs. I, yeah. I don't know how to describe it, really. It's quite innovative, but look cool. Uh, hits a shooting starter theory, rolls in and makes the tag for a two count. Uh, there's a swanton on green for a two. Rough hits the rough ride, but Brandy Lauren gets on the apron to distract. Green, at this point, hits the low blow, and then Aya runs out to chase down Brandy Lauren. Super kick party. Everyone's just kicking each other in the face. There's then a huge super kick from Fox to Theory, followed by a 450 splash to your evolved champion, Austin Theory, for the win. So AR Fox and Leon Ruff retain their championship whilst pinning the heavyweight champion. Yeah, they kind of did it backwards. Usually you pin the champion in a tag match and then get the title match. But I understand why they did it. Obviously, Theory is leaving at some point. Uh, the next time he loses the a title match, he's gone. And uh, Fox is staying around. So you wanted to do that title match, which made sense because he's now going to surpass uh, Fox's title reign. But you also didn't want to make Fox look weak. So you just flipped it around. And, yeah. And I get it. Yeah, it works. It works. I, I assume we're going to see Fox and Theory again then down the line. I don't think so. And, well, they seem to be building Briggs up again. I I can't see who on that roster is going to take it from theory, to it's be honest. It's got to be Briggs. Like, the, everything is, is for done him. done that, like, twice already. Well, yeah, I think they're trying to prolong it because they want to keep theory as long as they can because he's a big star. But they're not building up anyone else. Like, who's, yeah. who's the second biggest baby face? Stallion? Stallion lost to... Both matches this weekend, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and he lost to Ono, and Ono just lost to Briggs. Like, yeah. every, everything is being given to Briggs. I so. guess, yeah, you're right. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see... I Henry just seems in a different league, really. I mean, you can see why he... Sorry, not Henry. Um, theory. Theory's yeah. in a different league. You can see why he's been signed. Um, we then go to our main event, which is... The former best friends, former brothers, Anthony Henry versus J.D. Drake in a grudge match, North Carolina, backstreet, brawl, unsanctioned, street fight, no disqualification match. And do you know how we know it's unsanctioned? <laughs> uh, no, I Because the ref isn't wearing black and white. He's wearing a fancy Evolve t-shirt. Sure, attention to detail. It's something <laughs> different. Uh, good, good job. <laughs> Uh, this is a long match. This is a long main event. Yeah. Uh, Henry starts by putting some pliers under the ring as he's making his entrance. He brings pliers with him. Does he hold them for when the match starts? No, he puts them under the ring because... Why? Yeah. We were saying, if you were going into that match, pliers would be low down on my list of weapons I'm going to bring out. Okay, let's assume that even though it's unsanctioned... You can't bring a gun or a knife. Yeah. Um, 
Obviously, Sledgehammer, as we learned, is right out. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's the worst thing you could possibly do. So, yeah, baseball bat. I think a baseball work. bat I mean, is yeah. pretty good. Get a good swing with that. I mean, always work for Sting. Yeah. Um, the match just starts with a whole load of chops. Uh, they both go to the outside right away. You see the tiniest kid in the crowd wearing a Roman Reigns t-shirt who's just... His dad, like, picks him up to get out the way of these two. And he's just looking between these these two big men beating the shit out of each other and his dad the whole time. This kid was seriously questioning his life, <laughs> his father's decisions, and what am I watching right now? And I'm pretty sure he's like, Dad, when's Roman Reigns coming out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, they're just... It's pretty much just a chop fest, the beginning of the match. Uh, the cameraman is trying to get past the 14 people in the crowd watching the match to try and catch up with them. Okay, let's talk about this. Yeah. If you're going to do an around-the-arena brawl, you better have an arena that A, looks good, and B, has fans in it. Uh, this did two things. A, it showed how little the crowd was. I mean, there weren't a lot of empty seats. There were some empty seats. It's just a small venue. So it's like there are not that many people here. But there were enough people to get in the way of the cameraman such that we could not see what was happening. Yeah. Usually in these matches, the crowd complains because the guys go backstage and fight and yeah. the viewers at home can watch. Well, this was the opposite. The crowd could see it, but we couldn't see it because the cameraman couldn't get past the crowd. They cut to a cameraman in the ring. I don't know why. He couldn't <laughs> see anything either. And there was like a good like five minutes where we only saw maybe three minutes of actual action because the cameraman was just trying to jockey around the fans. Yeah. Um, I don't think we missed much, though. I think it was more just chops. Um, aimless brawling around aimless the arena. Aimless brawling around the arena. Drake grabs a table and tries to set it up. He goes for a powerbomb on the stage to Henry, but this gets reversed into a hurricanrana. Henry did not, then... Did not look nice. Not at no. all. Uh, Henry runs at Drake and eats a knee. Uh, and I, this... Sorry, go ahead. He, he runs at him and eats a chop. Oh, he, was it a chop? Yeah, okay. He, which was the, when we were talking about it, what was Henry <laughs> trying going to do? for there? He runs at him like chest first. What were you hoping yeah. was going to happen? Like, there was just, I don't want to pick it on too much. It, it wasn't a bad match, but there's a sequence here, a little kind of pointless, and they did some silly I things. I feel they were, I feel they were given too long. It definitely This too needs long. to be half the length, because by the end of, I got into the end of the match, but at that point I was kind of already checked out. Um, yeah. Henry at this point pulls out the pliers. And starts using the pliers on the fingers of Drake. Then it starts to make more sense now because Drake's main weapon is those chops. He's yeah. like he's got Volta like chops. They sound like shotguns going off. So he's attacking the hands. Um, confusing because he's not British. I'll break your fingers. <laughs> um, he's not British, but still hates fingers. Um, yeah, uh, Drake's fingers are actually bleeding. At this point, there's blood pouring down them. Uh, Henry keeps chopping at Drake now. And then Drake tries to retaliate with one big chop, which sounded nasty, but he sells the hand. Uh, he's, he's he's pretty good at selling J.D. Drake. And Henry just gives this shit-eating grin. Like, yeah. yeah, now you know why I did that. Now your biggest move is neutralized. And you idiot, you still tried to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a Vader bomb for a two-count from Drake. Uh, Drake then just launches a trash can at Henry's head. <laughs> um, he then sets the trash can in between his legs and gets a bowling ball out. And Lenny Leonard reveals that Drake could have been a professional bowler. Um, and he bowls the ball against the trash can into Henry's cock. Stupid. 
Yeah, especially because he's doing it with the hand that is bleeding, that he's meant to be selling. Uh, it was kind of comedy. I didn't really like it. He used to be a bowler. I get it. It's cute. Maybe in a tag match it makes more sense, but Henry's got to sit in the goddamn corner for like two minutes while he gets this bowling ball. Looks like not, an idiot. not your main event. You're like Thanksgiving yeah, street fight between two people no one cares about on Raw John in the Cena, middle of the show. John Cena beating up John Laurinaitis with a bowl, throwing a bowling ball at his crotch. Okay, I get sure, that. Sure, exactly. Um, he then follows this up by his cannonball, which is pretty impressive. They then go to the outside again. Again. Um, Henry is beating up Drake with the steel chair. He puts four chairs together like a table. Drake blocks a penalty kick and tries to powerbomb Henry through the chairs. Henry blocks and hits a double stomp. Drake still catches him and puts him through the chairs. Yeah, so he goes for his double uh, stomp finisher, but Drake manages to catch him, powerbombs him through the chairs. Um, but Drake can't get him up and pull him into the ring. Hen- this this, this spot was interesting. Um, a bit contrived with setting up the chairs, which I don't really like again, because you're in a fight. Why are you taking two minutes to set up four chairs? Yeah. But once they got into it, I liked it because they get in a position where Drake is now trying to powerbomb Henry through the chairs. Yes. But Henry escapes and does this quite look very painful double stomp. Hard to explain. To a standing, to the chest of a standing Drake as his back is bent over the apron. Yeah. So none of that could feel good. No. <laughs> but Drake did a great job here. His facials conveyed, that really hurt, but I'm more angry. Like when you stub your toe and you're just, you're angry. Yeah. And he just grabs Henry again, who is doing that shitty grin again, and just power bombs him to the chairs. So contrived, yes, but I thought they had a good little sequence here. And I thought that bit was cool. I didn't like what followed up because henry gets up pretty much straight away runs into the ring hits a baseball drop kick uh which sets drake up onto the chairs and then he hits his double stomp mm-hmm. on it yeah i think he just recovered way too quick for a guy who'd just been powerbombed through four chairs these guys wanted to get their shit in yeah for sure for sure uh drake forearms henry and tries a cannonball but goes through the table that's set up in the corner um, there's then a double stomp through the other table. When Davy says the corner, he means the corner of the Sorry. barricade. Yes, the barricade. This is all outside of the ring for reasons that are not clear to me. Yeah, almost killing about three kids in the front <laughs> row as they're doing this. Um, uh, Henry rolls Drake into the ring, uh, hits another double stop in the ring. I thought this was the finish, but Drake gets the shoulder up. This is when I think the crowd actually... Is- really get into this i think for the people there i think they enjoyed this match for me there was just too much going on until here uh this is where the ref starts actually counting and we go oh okay they're applying the they're implying the 10 count as yeah well. yeah a standing or a 10 count uh as you would see in a last man standing match yeah but not a last man standing match drake then gets some tape and tapes his fingers up and we're like what is he doing here but we realize it's to fix his fingers so he can hit the chop. Uh, he hits a huge chop onto Henry. And then there's a kind of fire up spot where Henry wakes up, hits a release German suplex to Drake. Drake then hits his drill bit, which is like a twisting neck breaker, but off the second rope. This surely is the, the finish, but no, a two count. He then follows this up by a top rope moonsault. Now, for those of you that don't know, JD Drake is a big, big guy. 
So this moonsault's pretty impressive. Yeah, they bill him at 300 pounds. And yeah, watching his moonsault, I thought it looked like Io Shirai's, oddly enough, uh, just because they both got velocity on it. It's, yeah, height, and uh, no height, yeah. just like speed it's and low. It's not a beautiful and... arc, it's just go for it. You believe it hurts, yeah. this one. Um, so a two count off the moonsault. Drake hits another series of chops. Henry keeps hugging Drake at this point. So he's going for another chop and Henry will just fall into him and hug him. And Lenny Leonard goes, when siblings fight, they work out who's playing the fool and then hug it out. And before the match, uh, in some of the promo packages, Drake was saying that, look, this is how we, this is how men resolve things. They have a falling out. They kick the living shit out of each other and then they're mates again. Yeah, in North Carolina, men do not talk through their problems. They, no. They beat the shit out of each other. A pint and a fight men, is a hell of a night. That's what real men do. And then they shake hands. So exactly. Is this what we're seeing at the end of the match? And But it isn't. We realize Henry is suckering him in. <gasps> he goes for the low blow, but J.D. Drake is one step ahead, catches the foot, and then hits a low blow of his own, followed by the drill bit for the three count, and J.D. Drake pins Anthony Henry in your main event of Evolve 138. So there was a lot that I criticized about this match, and there was a lot to criticize. <laughs> but ultimately, I think it's a good match. They just should have cut out that 10 minutes where they won it around the arena, tightened it up, and it would have been a lot better. There was good storytelling here. Yeah. Some of the acting was good. At the very end, it seemed, well, you know what? It's wrestling acting. It was fine. And I liked especially that, for once, the babyface isn't a fucking idiot and yeah. didn't get outsmarted. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just, what I liked about the storytelling was even that they're one step ahead of me. He brings out the pliers and I'm like, oh, that's what? That's dumb. They're going to mimic Triple H Batista? That's dumb. It's like, oh, no, wait, actually, Drake's uh, biggest weapon is his chop. So he's neutralizing the chop. And then later on. What's he doing with tape? Tape is not going to make your punches yeah. hurt more. Like, oh, no, he's fixing his hand. So they're telling a story that I don't understand right away. And then I figure what they're it doing. It makes sense. I mean, some of it, I, I kind of, it made more sense just recapping it. Like, as yeah. we're going on, it's like, oh, okay. Um, again, they say, you know, uh, great novels aren't written, they're rewritten. Yeah. If we could come in and edit this match down, get it down to the parts that really matter, it'd be a much better match. For sure. And I, I think it... They did way too much on the outside, which, if you had a bigger crowd, I think would have got over way, way more. Uh, if you're, like, brawling through the crowd. The, the thing is, you're brawling through 20 people. So, I think a lot of that got lost, but it might have worked better. This exact same match would have worked better in a different setting. I agree, but I'm also kind of over brawling through the crowd spots. In sure. Um, overall, I, I think this was one of the better matches of the night. Uh, for my... Again, I think probably my favorite was uh, Huas and Gutierrez. Just, it's a style I really enjoy. Uh, I think Ruff is really someone to watch. Uh, yeah, Leon Ruff is really someone to watch. I enjoy AR Fox. I thought the main event with Theory at 137 was really good. Um, I would say uh, probably a bit of a weaker show than the, uh, the last one that was in Queens, uh, which we reviewed a couple of weeks ago. Um, but enjoyable, just overlong. I think a couple of matches should have been, it should have been trimmed down. I agree. In terms of, uh, making the best show on the night, yeah, you could have cut out two matches and could have cut down that main event. 
Um, but again, they have other masters to serve. You know, yeah. they have to get the WWE guys their reps, and they have to get their own guys some experience. Absolutely. So, you know, that's something that you know Gabe Sapolsky has to consider that we just sitting at home don't necessarily think about for sure. Um, and like a lot and of, and they've got a good track record with it. Look at the guys that have come out of Evolve; they're clearly doing something right. There. Yeah, and Evolve is an indie; they don't have thousands of fans in the audience. Yeah, but what they can do. Small businesses, small companies in any realm, if you if you can make a real connection with your audience and can get them invested in you, they will they will give you enough leash to say, okay, this match is kind of boring, but I trust you and I support you and I know sure. what you're doing. And I yeah. think they have that with some fans and I hope they continue to grow. Absolutely. So that was Evolve 137 and 138 um, on Up Next for post-wrestling. Uh, you can find us every Wednesday night uh, with my usual partner in crime, Braden Harrington, talking all about NXT. Uh, you can follow our YouTube channel, which is BDE Official, where we go live after NXT every Wednesday night for our review. Or you can catch our podcast later on in the evening, early the next day. Also go to patreon.com forward slash up next where you can find a multitude of other shows. We have movie reviews. We have previous NXT reviews, where we go back to 2012 and are working our way through the Full Sail era. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Davey Portman, and on Instagram, at Davey Portman. And Braden, you can find at the D. Jesse, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Jesse from the Six. Uh, and you can find me there. Awesome. And also follow our Up Next Podcast uh, Twitter account, which is at Up Next Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me, Jesse. My voice is dying slowly, uh, so I'm going to drink some water and go to bed, I think. Um, and thank you for coming. Have a good night. You're welcome. Take oh, care. Hoy! Whether it's Kroger Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Kroger has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-on bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIO, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIO.